Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Welcome to Kindled Podcast. I'm your host, Haley Williams, and this is the show where we talk about truth and grace boldly. I'm so glad you're here. Well, hello, and welcome to episode 103 of Kindled. Today is the final episode of the education mini-series, and I'm kind of sad because this has been really fun to share with you guys and to chat about. I've really enjoyed, actually, the whole mini-series format. Week to week, I'm always, you know, going from, like, one topic to another, and it's hard to have some continuity, but this has been really cool to dig deep into a topic. And so I'm going to have to think about what is next because I want to do this again. Um, if you have any ideas, feel free to email them to me at Haley at kindledpodcast.com, or you can come find me on Instagram at haleywilliams.kindled and DM me there, chat with me there. I'm in stories a lot because it's easy and fun. Yeah, so let's figure out what is next because we need to do this again for sure. But today is that final interview with Rebecca Hargraves, and she is our uh, final homeschool representative. And so, yeah, this is a really good conversation because Rebecca and I were both homeschooled, so you're going to get both the mom's perspective and the kid's perspective. Before I get to that conversation, I want to share with you that I am sponsoring today's episode with my web design business, H. Williams Creative. Speaking of homeschooling, I was homeschooled, like I just said, and so I got to focus on the subjects that I loved. One of them happened to be writing, and that love of writing took me to school for journalism. And in journalism school, I realized I actually didn't want to be a writer. I wanted to do web design. And today I actually work full time from home doing web and graphic design. So I work with businesses of all kinds, but I love working with female entrepreneurs because I am one. So if you are someone who is starting a business or working as a consultant or a coach, or you have a business that you're already operating and you just need a new digital face, whether that be a logo or a full website, let's chat. You can contact me at my email, which is Haley at hwilliamscreative.com. Or you can totally just go spy on my web design website, hwilliamscreative.com, see the work that I've done and see if that looks like a good fit for you. All right. Now for my conversation with Rebecca. All right. So today I'm chatting with Rebecca Hargraves and Rebecca, this is your second time chatting with me on Kindled. So you're just an old pro. It's so fun. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for coming back on. (laughs) Of course. So I wanted to chat with you about your education decisions with your kids and your family because I, you and I had connected previously and and we were discussing, you know, some of the curriculum choices that you guys have made. And so I wanted to share kind of that with the audience, with the listeners here. So can you tell us what choices you have made, you and your husband have made in regards to how you're going to school your kids? Absolutely. So we have at least, I I like to say for the time being, for the current (laughs) season, I know that walking by the spirit is so important and things can change. And I want to be sensitive to that. So I don't know if it'll look this way, you know, the next 12 years, but for this time anyway, we have chosen to homeschool and 
even under that umbrella, there's so many, of course, you know, different methods and whatnot. But, and my children are little, my, my first is four and a half. And so she and I are doing, you know, starting our preschool um, work. And we've done that kind of off and on, even before now, as she kind of expressed interest and got a little bit older and, and all of that. But, um, so we're not fully in the throes of every single day, hours a day (laughs) Mm -hmm. work, but I was actually homeschooled myself, homeschool graduate, married to a homeschool graduate. So it's kind of in the blood currently anyway. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. And we, we brought, we, this came up between us because I was also homeschooled. So we were kind of swapping uh, war stories, I guess, (laughs) uh, (laughs) talking about our own experiences because that looks so different for everybody. You know, your, your homeschooling experience, I mean, and I guess that's true for all school experiences actually, but yeah. You know, there wasn't a standard curriculum. So it's like right. your mom really could have been like, here's how we're doing it this year, kids. Yeah. Was this decision hard for you guys? Was there a point where you were like really weighing some options or was just this kind of a natural fit? Well, the funny thing is it always felt like a natural fit until certain aspects of it until more recently in a sense. Um, now we're, we're definitely, you know, going through with this and we're excited but because we both grew up and were homeschooled all the way through, and my husband was even the son of the president of our local homeschool co-op, if you will, in this area, we just kind of individually grew up assuming we would homeschool. And that was always just as what we're going to do. And then more recently, there was kind of this question of, do I want to do it all? Or do I want the freedom of, because we have a lot of different options in this particular area of mm-hmm you know, different co-ops and classes and and things that you can kind of divvy out, so to speak, and have, you know, your children involved in and classes with other kids, all homeschooled, but but still involved in a a class setting for certain subjects and whatnot. And I, I mean, I'm like you busy, you know, and and have a business and a podcast and write and all of this. And so I, the past few months have kind of thought about, okay, do I really want to have my model of home education in this season, this, you know, next couple of years to be like all on me? Do I want to have my children involved in one method or another in a class, you know, in town? And that's kind of been something that actually we've really kind of thought about and prayed about and considered. And that was kind of a surprise to me because I had grown up with a mom who basically did it all, you know, it was all on her shoulders. She took care of it all. And, um, I, for a time, assumed that was the way it was supposed to be or the way it had to be. And so for me to start to question that a little bit or to find the freedom to realize it doesn't all always have to be on me (laughs) was a a big mindset shift in a lot of ways. And that's one of the things I, I do love about homeschooling, though, is that even under that option, there are so many different individual choices for individual kids. And my firstborn, my daughter, who's, you know, four and a half, um, like I said, she's very extroverted. Yeah. And so that's another thing I've really thought about the past few months is she's the one, you know, that wakes up each morning and is like, where are we going today? What are we doing today? And and I'm the introvert that's like, uh, we're staying home today, I think, you know? (laughs) And so that I've been factoring that in as well, because not only would me you know, delegating something be helpful, of course, to me at certain times, but it would also potentially be very helpful for her as well. So are you still kind of weighing that, those options at this point? We are, because a lot of the 
options in this area start at like kindergarten, like the five, the six, you know? Um, and so she's, we've still got a little bit of time for that. That would officially start next year. Yeah. And so I'm, I'm definitely def- still weighing through that. I mean, part of me really loves the Charlotte Mason model. If, if people are familiar with that, part of me loves the, the idea of, of her having at least one class and whatever subject it is where she's going somewhere else and, and interacting with other kids and, and having to learn how to listen to another adult, another teacher and, and respect that. And so we are, we're kind of thinking through it still and, and trying to figure out, okay, what's going to be best for our own family dynamics, our own family culture that we want to kind of form right. all the while, of course, being sensitive to the Lord's leading and yeah. <laughs> changing the path if he does. Yeah, totally. Yeah. And like you said, I mean, any one of us, you know, however we were educated, we come to this decision with some sort of kind of preconceived notions or ideas of what we should do or what we shouldn't do based on whether we had a good or bad experience at our own schooling in that own, you know, in our own circumstances and based on how we were raised. And so it's helpful to remember kind of the, you know, the whole point of this series really is to point us back to that reminder of like the freedom we have in Christ in these decisions. And like you said in the beginning, if that looks this year like getting her in a couple classes in addition, great. And if next year you're like, you know, I think we're going to be doing it all on our own or doing some, trying something new, like that's fine too. You know, and I think that's so hard for us, especially, you know, you and I being at the beginning of these choices with our kids to realize that the truth of how little control we actually have, you know, (laughs) over everything. Like it feels like it's kind of like, we're going to make or break our kids with this. And and I just don't think we're that powerful. And God is, you know, sovereign over, over them ultimately um, and much more in charge of the outcome than we are. Mm-hmm. And that, that gives a lot of relief. You know, we don't have yeah. to just do everything perfectly and make sure every subject is, is checked off the list to its full extent, you know, um, or whatever that looks like. And that's, I'm grateful for that relief. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. But we got to remind ourselves of it so much because yes. it's hard. It's very easy to forget. It is, especially when, you know, as a mom, you've been entrusted with these children and you want to do the best you can and you want to steward this responsibility well. And so, yeah, you have to constantly, I know I do, take that thought captive of, okay, I'm not ultimately the one who keeps the world turning, you know, that is responsible ultimately for the end result. I'm just responsible to be faithful with what God's called me to do. And then the end result is between our kids and the Lord's working in their lives and how that all pans out. Right. Exactly. Yes. So what lie, and we're, we're kind of touching on it now, would you say like, that's the lie that you kind of are battling at the outset of this journey since you're also like me at the outset? Um, or is there something else that's been kind of something you've had to preach the truth to yourself in? Yeah, you know, actually, that is definitely a part of it. But for me also, and I think I may have touched on this when I was on the first time, I can't remember, but I know you and I have chatted privately about it. I went through a lot of legalism for several years, and I'm still, you know, on my way out little bit by little bit. And being that girl who was homeschooled all the way through in the homeschool community all my life, and it's great. It's really great. But a, a lot of legalism can be found in it at times um, right. in certain circles. And so for a long time, I didn't realize that I was believing a lie. That lie being that homeschooling was the only right way for a Christian parent to educate their child right. or the only choice, you know, for education for a Christian family. And I know that's a lie. And I 
would never tell someone else that they have to homeschool. But I know that down deep in my heart, there's still kind of this thought of if I someday didn't homeschool anymore, would I be doing something wrong? You know, and, and maybe it may be, I mean, if the Lord calls me to homeschool and then I decide not to, well, then maybe that would be disobedient. But I, it's not that. It's like this idea of, am I doing something the unchristian way, if you will, if I don't homeschool anymore? And I know yeah. that that's not the truth, but there's just that little bit of right remaining legalism, yeah. I guess, if you will, that I still to this day have to battle, even though I know it's a lie that there's like this one size fits all method or choice. I see that I still have a little bit of that in me in the uh, way that I kind of have that lingering thought of if I, you know, one day didn't do this anymore, would that be okay? Or is that not Christ honoring? You know, it's just, yeah, it's uh, still there a little bit and I have to battle it sometimes. Right. Yeah, absolutely. What scripture has kind of guided you and your husband as you have thought about, you know, had these conversations and is there anything that kind of comes to mind when you are thinking about this whole topic? Yeah. So there's a passage in Deuteronomy. It's Deuteronomy six. And really the, the whole thing is verses six through nine, but talks about, you know, as you're walking by the way, and as you lie down and rise up and, and basically do your life, (laughs) um, morning, noon, night, whatever, that you're kind of doing life with your kids and you're just naturally, as you do life together, you're sharing God's truth with them. And being in the circles I've been in, I've oftentimes heard that verse used to, again, claim that, oh, well, that proves right there that homeschooling's the Christian way, because Mm -hmm. if you're not with your kids, how can you obey the verse? Mm -hmm. And that's not how I ever want to use that passage or anything like that. But for me, it's been just an encouragement and kind of a a guiding light for me, so to speak, uh, for lack of a better word, because it reminds me of what's most important, what my ultimate mission is. I mean, academics are very important. I love learning. I want to raise kids who love education, who love to learn. But ultimately, the most important thing is my children's souls. (laughs) And so I just kind of try to remember that passage as much as I can just kind of meditate on it because otherwise I can tend to put the cart before the horse and just focus on the to-do list. The, okay, this curriculum here says, you know, we need to do this and this and this on this day and this and this and this tomorrow. And, and if I don't check all the boxes, then I've failed or I haven't done enough. When in reality, yes, those things are important, but I ultimately want to remember that first and foremost, I've been called to share God's truth with my kids and in a way that's relevant and applicable to their everyday life, you know, as things are just naturally happening, showing them, okay, so God's word says this about the question you just asked me or the thing you just saw happen or whatever. And so, um, for me being one of those task oriented, more type a people, that passage has been very helpful to remind me, okay, slow down. Don't, you know, don't, uh, mix up your priorities. Remember that yeah, the word is, is so important. Um, and don't forget to include that in the midst of the other academics or the other pursuits, if you will. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's really good. I was just thinking about this since you and I both were homeschooled, it might be helpful to kind of, you know, for the, for the mom listening or the dad listening who they are considering that with their kids, you know, I bet they're wondering, what did you guys think of it? How did it go? Did you like it? 
you know, what did you like? What did you not like? And, and I didn't plan for this entire conversation to be all about our experiences necessarily, but, but I think it'd be worth asking, did you like your homeschooling experience in your, your own education? And, you know, what were kind of for you, the pros or the cons, the things that you liked or the things that you didn't like? Yeah, that's a really good question. So first off, like overarching, I, I am so grateful that I was homeschooled. I feel like um, I'm so close to my family. Our relationships are so deep and that's not guaranteed. Of course, it's not, you know, homeschool and this is what you get, but right. But I, I do feel like that did come from my particular experience and I'm grateful for that. I have a younger brother who's six and a half years younger than me. And so you wouldn't think that we would have gotten along, but, and not that we always did perfectly, but I feel like our relationship was really close and as a family unit, you know, we did so much together and I look back on that and I loved that so much. I'm a voracious reader. And so, you know, another thing I loved is that I had that kind of that free time, you know, here and there to focus on topics that interested me or to read more of a particular book or mm-hmm. whatever. And so those were definitely some pros that I loved. I had that freedom to really pursue things that I, I was interested in and over and above whatever I had to do. Some of the pros I would say were definitely, there's just always that for whatever reason, that tendency to, to lean towards legalism in certain ways at times in certain circles. So you have to be careful. And I would say that, you know, a lot of times you hear, oh, well, if you're homeschooled, then how are you going to be socialized? You know? Yeah. And that can go one of two ways. Either there is the, the aspect where maybe you aren't (laughs) getting that interaction. Maybe you're only at home with your family. Maybe you don't get enough interaction with others. But really, I feel like my personal experience was that I, you know, went all these different places during the day the grocery store, that whatever it is that we were doing or needing to do, I feel like I interacted with a lot of people, different ages, different backgrounds. And so that's not always the case. You have to be intentional, but I appreciate that. I feel like I was able to carry on a conversation with, you know, people of different ages and, and backgrounds without, you know, being super intimidated by that since I was more used to it. But, you know, there's, there were certain things that in the beginning, you know, we were still sort of early homeschoolers, if you will, you know, a lot of that started in the eighties and then, um, into the nineties when everything was <laughs> legalized. And so right. at first, you know, for many of us, I know for my family, we kind of structured everything like it would have been in a public school and we did it at home, you know, so we had like all the textbooks, all the, the same kind of schedule in a lot of ways, the same features. And, and there's nothing necessarily wrong with that. I didn't love that. I did love my high school years better where we kind of branched out a little bit and we had other supplemental things. That's when I developed a love of history when I got to really diving into, you know, a biography more or or whatever it was rather than just solely a textbook. And so there were little things that, you know, I I take into consideration now as I have my own kids and it's like, okay, do I want to do it that way? Do I want to do it this way? But overall, I did love it. I mean, it's, you know, nothing's Perfect, but I did love it, and I'm I'm grateful for me anyway that that I was homeschooled. Yeah, yeah, I feel the same way. I think overall as well. I mean, and yeah. that overall qualifier probably goes for everybody, no matter where yeah. you're school. You know, it's like, of course, there's things like I mean, I was a middle schooler at one point, so that sucked, but it was right. anywhere, you know. <laughs> yes, but yeah, I mean, I think I agree with the the family dynamic. 
the, you know, every single thing where I could say this was really awesome. There was also a downside to it. Right. Cause mm-hmm. it's like, mm-hmm. we were in the basement in our homeschool room room doing school every morning together. And I'm the oldest of five. So, you know, I was around with, uh, I was with my siblings when, you know, I was, you know, the, the gap between my youngest sister and I is 11 years. Mm-hmm. So I was around for her being a baby, you know, and like really kind of being the babysitter and helping raise her and like (laughs) the built-in babysitter. I don't know. I mean, I just remember just such a community feel all the time, which I'm sure like from my mom's perspective, was it overwhelming and, you know, exhausting (laughs) because it's like, how in the world, I don't even know logistically, how do you school five kids who are like 11 years apart? Yeah, that amazes me. I frankly like don't have any desire to do that only because it's like, that's (laughs) so overwhelming to me. But I I appreciated just what what I really remember was I was able to focus on some of the subjects that I was really passionate about. So the ones I wasn't, I would like get it done as fast as I could, like math or science, (laughs) got through those. And then, so I was able to get to grammar and English and writing and just spend a lot more time on those. And I would work my way through those books very quickly because I loved them and really enjoyed them. And I was able to focus and and I read a lot. I read so much, you know, everything from American Girl, American Girl to Women to Elsie Dinsmore, like all all great classics, you know? So it was really fun. And like my mom would read to us. So I just have really fond memories of that. Mm -hmm. And then from sixth grade on, I went to a co-op situation that my parents started, which eventually turned into a full-fledged university model school, which for anyone listening, that's basically a school for, it could be K through 12. That's basically like a college setup where you have classes like Monday, Wednesday, Friday, or Tuesday, Thursday. And then on those off days is where you're at home doing your studies, you know, doing your homework or writing papers or whatever. And, um, and so I, I loved that at that age, sixth grade, because I felt like, oh my gosh, I'm getting out of the basement. Um, I'm not that we, I mean, we did, you know, homeschool, like field, field trip groups in our church had a a big community of homeschoolers. So it wasn't like I was like isolated or anything, but I felt like, okay, I'm in, now I'm in a writing class with other kids my age and there were boys and it was like, (laughs) oh, this is interesting. This is fun. Like it was, it it just was like an experience that I hadn't had yet. But then I really learned through that what, I mean, I, I truly believe that gave me such an advantage when it came time to go to college because I was already in the college schedule. You know, I was already doing that and managing my time in terms of like, managing those off days. And so, you know, when you're in college, you have a class that's like meets Tuesday, Thursdays, and then it's on you the other days of the, mm-hmm. the week to make sure your reading's getting done, your papers are getting done. And I think a lot of people lose it in college because they just feel like they have all this free time. Right. And I kind of knew how to manage my time. So just from a practical level, um, I won't get into all of the things that I didn't, that I was <laughs> not prepared for in college, like living with three roommates in the freshman dorms that were all in three different sororities. That was interesting. (laughs) And what rush week looked like and, uh, you know, them using their fake IDs and me being like, you know, it's illegal, right? (laughs) Like, you know, the fake IDs are illegal, don't you? Like this is, and a couple of them went to Catholic high schools, which I had known they went to a Catholic high school. So I was like, do you think that God likes you using a fake ID? They're just like, are you like, this was literally after they came home one night after drinking and they were like, are you for real right now? <laughs> you know, and I was just like, I didn't know any better. It's, right? just, it's kind 
kind of sad. It's it's <laughs> it's funny now, but I'm like, oh God, help me. <laughs> like for some of the things that I said. So Oh, um, I know. I started a blog at 15 in the height of my legalism. And I look back and think, Lord, why did you let me do that? Like, that was so stupid of me. <laughs> right. Right. Oh, man. I know. Well, I had a, what was it? What was that blog platform? I want to say Zanga. Is that the right? Oh, name? yes. Oh, gosh. Oh, my word. I hope that that is just gone forever because it, <laughs> I would not want anyone, don't anybody search for it. I'm not even going to tell you. I know bad, but anyway, I mean, yeah, there's, we could probably do a whole episode on that, but I just think (laughs) it's interesting, you know, and, and one comment that I heard a lot, I wonder if you heard this was, I can't, I did hear this in college as I got, you know, a little older and beyond freshman year outside of the freshman dorms, I did hear, oh my gosh, you were homeschooled. I can't believe you're so normal. Yes. (laughs) And I was like, what do like? what do you expect me to be? Like, I'm not wearing a denim jumper. Like, I don't know. Like I was into fashion and I liked makeup and having my hair done. You know what I mean? So I felt, I felt proud of the fact that I was like, uh, yeah, like we're not all lame or, you know, whatever. I know. I know. Yes. That is super common. Like more so than I realized for a while. I think, you know, like, I mean, I knew I heard it, but like just so many people I know have heard that same exact thing. It's like, yeah. hey, wow, there's some some major stereotypes going on somewhere. <laughs> yeah, and maybe that was more of a thing when we were younger because it was that less common. That's true. And yeah. now it is like it is getting a little more mainstream. So, but yeah, I loved I loved my experience, and you know, I still played a bunch of sports at you know the school that my parents started because you could just you know sign up for just a sport or just a class and. So I got, you know, I felt like I was really well-rounded mm-hmm. and, uh, yeah. of course can't fail to mention the biblical worldview, which yes. has got to be probably one of the main reasons that people choose to homeschool. Absolutely. At least That's within the Christian. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, right. and there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, I'm all about that. I love that. I love the, the fact that you kind of control the narrative in a way and that you get to just play such a large role in shaping your kid's mind and keeping in mind always that, you know, we aren't the Holy Spirit and we can't save them or, you know, open their (laughs) spiritual eyes of their hearts, but just that you get to kind of see that knowledge passed on to them and pray that God will, you know, use it to actually shape them and form them into, you know, the people that he wants them to be. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. And you know, that's, there's always that balance too, of that's one thing that can be really hard in some homeschooling circles is, you know, you want to protect your kids. You want to shelter them from mm -hmm. all the stuff, (laughs) especially at young ages. And there's always kind of that balance to strike between sheltering them so much that they are not equipped and not aware in an age appropriate way of things in order to form a biblical worldview about them Mm -hmm. um, and not, you know, fully equipped to go out into the real world and, and, address those things or to, you know, um, experience whatever it is that may come at them. But there's just always that balance between just sheltering them away, keeping them, you know, locked away. Don't ever, you know, look at a TV. Don't ever do this or that or the other. Right. But at the same time, not just throwing them to the wolves and, and letting anything, you know, there's just like always with so many things in life, there's a balance there. Um, that I feel like is not always struck in the homeschooling community, but I think more and more, I see some hope there that there's, a little bit more of a balance than there maybe used to be with that. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And I think, you know, just speaking to the parents, I, I mean, from my own memory, 
you know, I think my parents did like the best that they could with the knowledge they had at the time. But I think like you're saying, there is, you know, what an adult deems is the appropriate time for a kid to learn something is possibly very different than the time that kids are actually learning something. And so when you, when your child who is homeschooled interfaces with children who are being exposed to things, facts, you know, how babies are made, those conversations, theories, myths. I believed that you could get pregnant by swimming in a swimming pool with a boy. Oh, I mean, yeah. really point where that conversation came up at a sleepover. And I think somebody kind of shared that as a, as a myth or something they had heard. And I don't remember how old it was, maybe, maybe 11. I don't know. Mm-hmm. And just, I, I think like my, you know, my advice, if I could give advice or caution would be, you know, like you said, not to necessarily like give up whatever standard you want to have by any means, but recognize that your kids will be exposed to the things that you might be the most afraid of um, when you're not around and you can't be there all of the time. And just to, to give them a a framework for truth and for Mm -hmm. What you want, like if you are truly doing this to control the narrative, then you might actually have to be uncomfortable before (laughs) you're willing to, you know, or before it would feel ideal just to preempt that and to kind of be the first one to say, actually, you know what, here's the truth. And if people say this, that's not true. If people say this, that's not true. This is, you know, I'm telling you, you can trust me. I love you. Other kids don't know best. They are actually, you know, they they probably don't even really know the truth here. And just because I, I think, you know, they didn't know that that would even come up. How could they have known? But preempting it in a way and, and not not for the sake of like having ultimate control, but to truly give your kids the best chance to, to believe and know the truth and not be um, affected by lies. Like even as small of a lie as it may seem you know, just to kind of be able to debunk that and go, uh, yeah, no, that's not true. My mom told me, you know, right. <laughs> like well, I'd rather be that kid at the sleepover than the one who's like, what? Oh my gosh. You know? Right. Well, and that also like, especially in the area of something like sex, you know, that really is going to keep certain topics from being so taboo that your kids are then scared to come to you because it's awkward, you know, like, I mean, it's yeah. going to be maybe awkward anyway, potentially, but at least if you're kind of preempting that a little bit and you're kind of making those conversations about different things become more commonplace and normal in your family, then as they grow, as they have more questions, as more stuff comes up, it's, Mm -hmm. you're going to be in a better place of, of hopefully them coming to you and wanting to ask you as opposed to thinking, Oh my goodness, there's no way I can talk to her about that. I need to go and ask my peer, you know? Right. (laughs) Um, Right. That's always really helpful. Sometimes it's uh, easier said than done, but. Oh, totally. And I'm like saying that I'm only a few years years away from some of those conversations. And I mean, I can be having some of them now and it's like, uh, really? I don't know. know. But, but yeah, I mean, and, and I don't, my kid's not even doing sleepovers at this point. So I guess I have like a little bit of time, but um, yeah. So anyways, I just, I think that's helpful and good to hear that, you know what, you can have an imperfect education as a homeschooler. It's possible. You can come out on the other side and say it wasn't perfect, but it was great. Just yeah. like in any other education, you know? Absolutely. And hopefully that gives all the parents relief <laughs> to realize that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yes. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. Uh, do you have any final words of advice or encouragement to parents who are weighing those options? 
Yeah, I just, I would really encourage them to meditate on uh, one of my favorite verses is James 1, 5. And basically my own paraphrase, if you will, is that, you know, if anyone lacks wisdom or needs wisdom, then ask God for it because he just desires to, to give it to you. And I would say, of course, ask others their thoughts, their advice, their wisdom, their input, do your research, whatever that might be, because mm-hmm. there's a place for all of that. But at the end of the day, go to the Lord. He knows your children and their personalities and their needs and their learning styles and all of that better than anybody does. Yeah. And so ultimately, don't worry about pleasing other people. Don't worry about doing the method that they think is best or not best or whatever. Ultimately, walk by the Spirit. Ask the Lord. Just keep in step with Him. Pray for wisdom. And you can't go wrong if you're if you're staying right there with Him and Maybe your method will change over the years. Maybe it won't, but um, you're going to be in a good place. (laughs) Mm, Yeah. So good. Thank you so much, Rebecca. Oh, it's been so fun to talk to you. Thanks for having me on. All right, guys. Well, that concludes the education mini series. I'm sad. Like I said, this has been so fun. I really just want to thank you for tuning in for these episodes, listening through them. I pray that this has been something that's encouraging to you. I hope you'll share it with friends. If these conversations come up and they express anxiety or fear or worry about this choice, as I know it is so easy to get wrapped up in that spin cycle of fear and worry and just the freedom that we have in Christ means we don't have to stay there. We don't have to be stuck in that place. The things that I've learned from this have just been, they're honestly probably too many for me to even express now because I'm still in process with all the things that I've learned from these people. And I'm still in process in that decision for our own kids of how we will educate them. But the one thing I'm walking away with that I'm certain of is the knowledge that my hope is not based on how my kids are educated. My hope is not based on whether we can afford private school or whether or not my kids are in public school and are exposed to something that I don't agree with or that I would rather them not hear. My hope is in Jesus Christ alone. And the thing that's just been impressed upon me throughout this time of sharing these episodes with you and chatting with you on Instagram and having conversations around it is that God is the author and finisher of our faith. We do not author our children's faith. We do not perfect and complete their faith. Our school choices, uh, that their teachers, their administrators can't do that. None of us can. And so while it is so important to be a good steward of the resources you have, those resources being everything from time to money to the children that you've been given that are um, in your stewardship to raise up in the love and admonition of the Lord, it's important to keep that in perspective of the role that we have and that... They are not ours. They are not our possessions. We are not their God. They are not our followers. And so that may sound crazy, but I know I can get caught up in in thinking that way. And just when I do have the wrong perspective of myself, every other decision becomes that much more weighty and my failure becomes that much more of a complete despair for me because I failed and it was all on me. And so let's preach the truth to ourselves. Let's remind ourselves as we're making these hard decisions and as we're deciding, some of you are deciding whether or not to take out second mortgages on your home to please your community and pay for those private school tuition bills. These are not small decisions. These are huge, weighty decisions. And so I'm certainly not minimizing the reality that a lot of you are facing hard 
things in this and even the risk of broken relationships and cousins and friends and parents that that would affect your relationship. So I'm fully aware of that reality, but I want to just remind you of the truth, remind you of what is absolutely universally true, that your hope is in Jesus. Your hope is not in your kid's education and there's freedom. There is freedom for you in Christ to make this choice and to change your mind. You can change your mind next year. You can change your mind this year. You can pay the enrollment fee and you can change your mind. You know, I mean, that's even, that's where we're at. We still haven't decided. And maybe by the time this airs, we will have decided. But from where I stand right now, I just feel so much more peace about the reality that this is not a one-time decision. This is not a decision that is salvific for my kids or for me. God is not looking at me, waiting for me to mess up and screw up. And so he can point a finger and at me and say, if only you had done this, you know, that's just not his posture towards me. His posture is one of love and he is as a father. So if I care as much as I care about my kids and I know how burdened I am to make the right choice, quote unquote, you know, whatever that right choice may be, how much more does he love me as a perfect father? And how much more does he love my kids than I do? You know, I mean, it's just, it is actually unfathomable. We cannot, we cannot mentally or even emotionally grasp the love that God has for us and for our children. So yes, that is what I want to say. That's how I want to close this out is just with an eye back to the truth and back to the good news and to the gospel that that's why Jesus came. So we didn't have to be burdened by the law and by our failure under the law. That's why he came. He did everything perfectly. He lived a perfect life. He died the death that we deserved. And he made a way for us to come back to God and be in communion with our creator. And that's what this life is about. That is with our vision to the reality that Jesus came, he rescued us. We have eternal communion with God and we can be at peace with God for eternity because of him. Doesn't that just put this decision in perspective? Like this life is not it and education matters, but it's not even like, do you think anyone's going to ask you in heaven where you sent your kids to school? I mean, let's just like, maybe that seems silly, but let's be honest. This doesn't matter in the long run. Like God can redeem any situation, any disappointment And he will. He actually promises to. That is his job. That is what he does. He's the redeemer. So, okay, I'm done preaching. But before I say goodbye for this mini series, I do want to share a text that my mom sent to me. And this was actually back in July of 2019. It was back to school time. And I started to get some anxiety around the decision we'd have to make for the coming year. And here we are seven months later still haven't made that choice, but where I am is so different than where I was seven months ago. I mean, it's insane. Just as I read the post about the fear that I felt and how I was so concerned and worried about making the right choice and making this sacrifice that I thought I had to make. Actually, at the time I thought I really had to do homeschooling. I've since come to the place of realizing I don't have to do homeschooling. But my mom sent me a text and it was, my mom has a great way with words. And so I wanted to share with you 
And what she said to me was this, maybe you're in a boat floating down a river and you have the paddles and partner you need. Not everything is rapids. Don't over direct, relax into the flow and follow its pushing power downstream. Hold tight and keep your eyes open, but don't overwork it. That's when the rowing gets hard. And sometimes we risk tipping over, then recovering. Have confidence and know that you would not intentionally make a wrong choice for your baby girls and big girls. God trusts you with them. He's not afraid of you messing up. So that's where I'm going to leave you guys. God is not afraid of you messing up or making the wrong choice. And if your heart is centered on glorifying your father and raising your kids and loving them, can you trust that if you need to be redirected, he will do that? If you need to change paths or schools or course correct, he will help you. He will let you know. He is not going to leave you on your own. No matter where you go, he is with you and he is for you. The last thing I want to say is a passage from Exodus 14 that I just think of whenever I feel that I am kind of in a battle, that it feels like I'm fighting on my own. You guys have heard this verse. It's Exodus 14, 14. And the context is that Moses has taken the Israelites out of Egypt and Pharaoh has, you know, relented, said, fine, take them and go after all the plagues and everything terrible that happened. But then they leave and he changes his mind because the Lord hardened his heart. It actually says in verse eight. And so he decides to go after them and he takes his best chariots and horses and he pursues them. And then as the the Israelites look up and see the Egyptians marching after them and coming for them, they are like, Moses, what have you done? Why have you brought us into the wilderness to die? Did we not say, leave us alone so we can just serve the Egyptians? And Moses responds to them, do not be afraid. And this is, this is before the Red Sea parts, okay? So they haven't seen the deliverance. They haven't seen how God is going to deliver them yet from this battle and from this imminent death that they see is coming for them. And he says, do not be afraid, stand firm, and you will see the Lord's salvation, which he will accomplish for you today. For the Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. And I just want to leave you with that verse because how many of us are trying to fight for ourselves with tooth and nail claw to the solution, claw to victory. We don't have to go that way. We don't have to achieve the victory. And actually, we can't achieve the victory. It's not even in our hands to take. God is our warrior. He is our battle king. And he has already won the war. But he will fight these battles for us. And he will continue to part the sea where we see no way forward. So wherever you are in this decision... I'm praying for you. I pray that God would bring peace to your heart and the knowledge of his sovereignty over everything. And that that would give you the peace that surpasses understanding. So I'm done. This has been awesome. Thank you guys so much. Reminder that the resource page for the mini series is on the website at kindledpodcast.com. Click podcast and you will see this mini series post with all the links that have been compiled for you. So go check that out. If you want to read more about any one specific model, 
And as always, you can come find me on Instagram at HaleyWilliams.Kindled. If you haven't left a review for Kindled, I would love for you to do that and share this with a friend. All right, guys, that's it for the mini series. And I'll chat with you next week on a regular episode of Kindled. Have a great week. <laughs>